Hey, everybody, it's JT from Grilling at the Green. John Breaker and the great folks at Birdie Ball have a short time offer for all of you listeners. You just go to birdieball.com, and when you place your order, there's a place on that form for a discount code. Use G-A-T-G. That's G-A-T-G. Of course, it stands for Grilling at the Green. And you will get 20% off anything you order from birdieball.com. Now, it's a short-time offer. It expires in about a week, so you want to get on it. Go to birdieball.com, place your order, uh, use the code G-A-T-G, and get 20% off. You heard it here on Grilling at the Green. This is Grilling at the Green After Hours, the conversation that took place after the show ended. Hi, everybody. It's JT, and this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Hey, everybody. Welcome to After Hours here on Grilling at the Green, talking with Tom Coyne today. Uh, If you have never read his books, I recommend them highly. A course called Ireland, a course called Scotland, a course called America. He did one a long time ago, um, Paper Tiger. You also wrote a book that turned into a screenplay, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? That is correct, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Um, I A Gentleman's Game. My yeah. first book was it was a novel before I started becoming a character, started doing nonfiction and becoming the, the main character in my own stories, which I didn't do out of ego i did out of the fact that i was out of ideas and needed to go do, inter- <laughs> go do interesting things right um go live live some adventures so i could write about stuff so but my first book was a novel um about a caddy and a who was a golf prodigy it's called a gentleman's game it was um came out when i was 20 wrote it when i was 23 24 came out when i was 25 um no it came out when i was 24 i think and uh uh or the movie was finished then in any event i was young um and it was crazy and uh yeah gary sinise was in it philip right. baker hall dylan baker and um uh that was a pretty a pretty amazing experience uh and it's sort of you know i never set out to be a golf writer it was a really really happy accident uh i was in a fiction writing program and started writing this novel because i grew up caddying and uh suddenly because of the book you know got published and the movie made um i was in that category as a, as a golf writer and a nice it's been a very nice place to be there you go um talking about caddies i like courses that can still offer caddies there's not very many of them especially out here on the west coast i don't know how it is in philadelphia new york i'm sure at the private clubs they still offer them but even at the private clubs out here it's pretty tough to find uh a club that offers caddy services. Bandon's a different deal. Okay. Yeah. Right. Um, which makes it hard for some of the kids that are trying to get into the Evans scholarship programs out here and that type of thing. But I wanted to get your take on uh, caddies and how important they can be, even if you're a rank amateur, like I am. And, uh, you know, the times I've had a caddy, I've really enjoyed it. I thought yeah. it made I thought it made the round go significantly greater and more fun, actually. No doubt about it. Caddies are absolutely essential. Spoken as someone who was a caddy for um from seventh grade through graduate school. So I guess it's probably other than this and and some and teaching, it's the only job <clears throat> that I've had. 
Um, <laughs> and that's all right. And I think it's absolutely, um, like you said, it, for the from the golfer's perspective, it's going to make your round more enjoyable because you have someone out there. You're not all alone. It's it's you have you have someone cheering for you. You have sure. someone who's on your side. You have someone who has your best interest at heart, whether or not they're great at the craft or just okay. Um, you know, it's it's just this team mentality that I think makes a round more special. Um, from but from the I think the most important perspective of it as someone who's you know involved as we all are you know invested in the game of sure. golf, it is the best way to get people playing. I mean, now we have all these initiatives, you know, the first tee and junior golf and push this, that, and the other, but they require um you know, they require your a certain amount of expense to it. There's a certain amount of effort that your parents right. have to be up on this, that, and the other. When caddying was different, it was it was like, hey, you know, put some money in a kid's pocket and he's going to keep coming back, you know, on a summer, you know, having this job where he's outside for four hours on a beautiful summer, spring oh, afternoon. Yeah. yeah. And he makes some nice cash money and he comes home and he feels like he feels awesome. He's going to come back and he's going to learn golf that way. And he's going to learn, he's going to learn golf the right way because as a caddy, you have to understand all sort of all of golf sort of etiquettes and secret handshakes and all that stuff. So, um, which are things you, you don't necessarily learn through golf lessons. So, I mean, it's an, it's as a gateway to golf, there is no better way to bring people into the game than caddying. And so, yes, you're right. It, it would be on in decline in a lot of places um overtaken sort of by golf carts i suppose and maybe yeah. just kids lack of interest um which is strange because caddying caddies right now make a ton of money way more oh, than yeah. i did yeah. uh when i was looping so um and and you know but where i did see as you mentioned the evans scholarship um caddy culture is really healthy through the midwest because of the evans scholarship which is a which is a full ride college scholarship plus housing um, for all the big 10 schools, but it has expanded to like to Notre Dame. And I know it's come out to, um, is it yep. at Oregon state or at Oregon now? Oregon, Oregon, it's at Oregon. Yeah. yeah. And it's going to continue to move across the country, which is great. They have an incredible endowment. And so when you're in the Chicago or the Midwest area where kids are competing for that Evan scholarship, you're as likely to have a, 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 a female as a male cat, you know, to have like teenage girls catting for you was, that's something I never saw grow up caddying in Philadelphia. That just didn't happen. Sure. Um, so the diversity of the caddy pool is, is in the Midwest is fantastic and it's vibrant. And um, so it's not as bad as it seems, but it's yeah. A lot of places um, whether it be courses are designed, aren't designed to walk. I mean, and that's the, the genius of what, what Kaiser's committed. Mike Kaiser's committed to abandon and it's sand Valley in Wisconsin is that it's walking only. But right, the caddy, caddy experience is absolutely an essential part of it, which is I, part of the great fun. I'm very proud of uh, where I live. I've been involved now for 10 or 12 years with the high school program and helping them raise money for scholarships and different things. And when I started, some of these kids didn't even know which end of the golf club to hold on to. All right. Sure. But we've had in the last four years, we've had two Evans scholarships uh, given to our both girls. They ended up going to uh, University of Oregon um, and they've got one in contention, I think, coming up this year. 
So, uh, but the way they have to do it, which is really interesting, is they go to a couple of the country clubs around here. One's private, one's open to the public there, but there you still have to buy a membership, but they, they will let those kids that want to caddy actually come caddy. Um, they don't have a, you know, a whole barn full, mm -hmm. but if there's two or three or four that need to do that to qualify for the Evans scholarship, you know, they make uh, accommodations for them throughout the course of the summer. And I think that's pretty nice, actually. That, that's, that's great. Yeah. That, it's, yeah. That's, that's great. I mean, and, and, you know, and there's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Now there are like some apps out there where you can be sort of a free agent as a caddy and float from club to club and get booked at different clubs. And so sure. technology is going to have an impact on it as well. Um, but yeah, clubs should hopefully be at least open to the idea of, you know, if a kid, if a kid wants to caddy, whether we have a caddy program or not, let's let them carry a bag, you know? Yeah, no, I think it's great. I think it's great. Um, if you had one course you wanted to come back to uh, through whether it's Ireland or Scotland or the United States, and I'm not talking about the big ones like Bandon or St. Andrews or anything like that. I'm just one little obscure course that you originally never thought you would even go to, but it's in your mind to say, I got to go back there one day. Yeah. One that sticks with me um, is uh, in Vermont. Um, Aquanic is a golf course that I'd, I'd heard that there was an exclusive club up in, in Vermont and didn't know anything about it. And sure. it's a very, very small membership and did some more research and it's a Walter Travis design, great golden age designer. And that, you know, Todd Lincoln was the founding one of the founders <laughs> of the club and um, Norman Rockwell hung out there and there's some of his paintings there. And, and, and just, it was a really interesting sounding place and that I, and I did get to go see it. And uh, it just one of the most beautiful settings, um, you know, in those in the, you know, in the mountains in Vermont um, with these extraordinary backdrops. I think I was there in the fall and, and got to see, you know, the, the leaves changing and watching my golf ball sort of play against that backdrop. It was just the perfect golf day. And that's one in my mind where I think, oh, I would really love to go to go and relive that uh, for sure um but then you know there but then there were experiences like you know if you go to pebble beach obviously there are all these big hitting golf courses there cypress pebble beach etc but there's a there's a, a muni or a, a public golf course there called pacific grove that you know for 20 dollars or whatever you can play their back nine which is some of the holes there are as good as any of the holes at at the big pebble beach golf course so yeah. um you know that really blew my mind as well that, that was uh, a public golf course. Um, and, you know, Sharp Park in San Francisco is a, is a waterside public golf course as well. That's, that's really, really special. So um, yeah, I could probably make a, a long list of courses that I want to get back to right away. Uh, but if you could say, where would you want to be teeing off right now? I would say, let me, let me play at Aquatic. There you go. We have one across the freeway from us here that is nine holes, perfectly flat, uh, sand greens, Ooh. And uh, it's the old Woodburn golf course. And you, nobody's there. You put your $10 in the box and off you go. And I love that. Yeah, it's great. And um, no need for a cart because it's kind of like walking across the parking lot. 
you right. know, but uh, yeah, it's really good. Tom Coyne. Um, thank you. Uh, Tom's new book again, uh, a course called America. If you didn't see that in the regular show, there it is. And of course he did um, Ireland and Scotland and a gentleman's game. And Oh, real quick before you go, how, how did you get wrapped into golfers journal? Yeah, the Golfer's Journal has been fantastic, and I'd encourage anyone listening to check it out. It's a quarterly golf publication that, you know, is, is, a, is a sort of, we start as print only, now we're online, we have a lot of di a digital platform as well. Um, but it's like a book that you get every three months um, yeah. with almost no advertising in it. So it's, it's a lot, of, it's the best photography, the best writing in golf. It's, it's everything that the other golf magazines aren't, um, which is sort of the idea behind it. Sure. Uh, but we are about five years old now and, uh, it's really thriving and taken off and we've really strong community, but before it, it began, um, you know, the editors, the publisher and editor approached me and said, you know, is this the kind of thing you'd be into? And I thought this is exactly the kind of thing that I'd be into. It's right. what I, golf's been waiting for where I can write as long as I want and write about interesting things not just the pga tour i can really write about cool adventures the th sort of things i write about in my book i don't cover the tour I, I i cover people with crazy golf passion and um and i've had the chance to write about that for the last five years there and now i'm the senior editor and loving every minute of it so check it out there TGJ. you go yeah there you go it's all good tom thank you for being with us yeah very much and i do like your sweatshirt and uh we'll get this you on uh stonewall in pennsylvania used there to be an old dairy so now we have the cow with the golf club in his mouth <laughs> there you go we'll be back next week Thanks, have a good Jeff. holiday everybody thank you take care